0: The following is a Goulash Media production, goulashmedia.net. Welcome
1: to the system is down.
0: You guys remember back when you used to hate Monday mornings? Yeah, that was back before you discovered this show. You see, I do this show for you guys, because I know that you're probably listening to this on your commute back into the weekly grind, and just want you to start your week out right with some uncomfortable conversations. You're welcome. (laughs) What's up, Downers? Welcome back to the least comfortable show on the web. The system is down. My name is Dan Smotz, and this is the place where we talk about all the uncomfortable topics like conspiracies, politics, and yes, religion. And if you're new here... I would highly recommend you go find the person who invited you and give them a, a firm but friendly slap on the behind because today I talked to Alex Jones' ex-wife. That's right. Today's episode is my discussion with the lovely and very sweet and kind Kelly Jones. And I, I say it like that because it's, you might find it a little surprising that she's such a nice person because she was married to Alex Jones. Can you even imagine what that's like? <sighs> anyway, Kelly is currently going through an insane custody battle, uh, trying to get her kids back from a madman who is putting her through the ringer and making her life hell, from what it sounds. Uh, we, we talked about that, and we talked about uh, you know what it's like to be married to Alex Jones. He also dug into like the conspiracy stuff and the shill allegations and whether or not uh, his products are snake oil. and yeah, I even brought up Bill Hicks, but all that stuff is in the second half of this conversation, which you can get access to by joining the Downers Club. The Downers Club is our patron program. It is what helps keep the lights on and helps keep the show getting bigger and better and getting more awesome, amazing guests like Kelly Jones. And you can sign up for that for less than a cup of coffee a month by going to tsidpod.com forward slash support and in return you get multiple bonus episodes of this show every single week and access to the exclusive downers club facebook group and just a whole bunch of fun stuff so once again go to tsidpod.com forward slash support and hear the rest of this interview with kelly jones now all right let's get into it this is my conversation with kelly jones Let's get weird. My guest today is family court justice activist, journalist of custodywars.com and ex-wife of a notorious madman, Kelly Jones. How are you doing?
1: Hey Dan, I'm doing okay. How are you today.
0: As I told you uh beforehand, our our Podcast is we focus on all the uncomfortable topics that most people don't like to talk about, like conspiracies, politics, and religion, and who better to have on than the ex wife of Alex Jones uh, to talk about all three of those things? I think that uh, you fit pretty well into those, so just give me a little background on you um how did what was I always like to get people's backgrounds and their kind of upbringing to see you know if that plays into where they are in today and if it does or not it doesn't matter but um yeah give me some background of your your upbringing
1: well, you know we're coming off of mother's day, and that's a good question to ask, right because you know you're looking at social media and one of the the things that i you know these hashtags that trend was things I got from my mother, and I just had one word to say about that is that I got grit you know I was raised um to be a person a uh, a person who was um, independent and a thinking person. And I have always had a heart for activism. So I have found myself, um, in the situation that I'm in, which is really people like to think of me as Alex Jones's ex-wife. And Mm -hmm. I talk about that a lot, but really what I'm trying to do is to bring the story of what happened to me as an example of what happens to so many in family court, um, forward. And so my upbringing had a lot to do with that. I was raised by, you know, uh, my parents were involved in, maybe had different politics that I have now, but they're relatively political people. Um, I actually grew up uh, in Austin. I'm one of the first born, you know, like the only Austin originals left or one of the few, but shortly in, when I was around like nine years old, I moved to Europe. So I grew up in Europe. I've traveled a lot in my life and I've been exposed to a lot of different cultures and people. And I think I just have had kind of a unique, um, obviously, experience, but. Um, Bringing it back to the fact that where I'm at now, that was so long ago, right? I just think of myself as a mom, like you become this adult person. And as a mom, I find myself here today, unfortunately, still battling for my children, even after a jury verdict in family court. So the convictions that I have that come from this upbringing of sort of activism and political interest surround this core issue of family court corruption And the real tragedy is that the family court system is sorely, sorely broken, and it involves sort of a series of um, referrals or uh, possible conflicts of interest often that lead to great bias in family cases, which is done at great expense to parents and ends up breaking relationships, which is really what happened in my case.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Did you, um, before this, uh, this falling out with Alex, did you uh, do activism work in this area before that, or did this kind of jumpstart it for you?
1: Well, I think I mean my my background is again pretty unique. Like I was definitely in college, your typical kind of college involved activist. You know, mm-hmm. it was a long time ago. It was when uh, the Gulf War was going on, and so I was protesting during that. But when I graduated from college. Um, shortly after I graduated, I moved back to Europe for a while and I worked in film and casting, but when I came back to the States, I actually got a job working for PETA of all things. Um, and that's where I really got my true exposure to how people can do simple actions or, um, take specific um, examples and really generate a lot of media interest around it. So back then we didn't have social media. We didn't have the internet. So everything was mainstream media. So you do sort of a grassroots media action, like hold a protest or do a banner hang, or even just go talk to students or something like that. And it would generate a lot of press. And so that's the background that I brought actually when I met Alex so I had returned to Austin and I was working for the TV studio where I actually met Alex I actually I think I got worked there after I met him but I was eventually hired by them and um, he said you know leave all that and come to work for me and I he was I think he had like one hour a night on KJFK a little affiliate on like Sunday or something and was working I think still in his dad's dental office maybe or I don't recall exactly what he was doing at that time that I met him but um, you know, at the very beginning of our relationship, we were just living together and doing this business, I Mm -hmm. guess, out of a tiny, you know, little home in South Austin. And I did use the skills that I had to help Alex get a lot of publicity at the beginning. And and he was a very different guy back then too, you know?
0: Sure. Were Um, you still, I have to ask, were you still involved with the PETA stuff when you met him? Because, I mean, there's you got to see like kind of the irony in caveman Alex getting involved with somebody <laughs> in PETA.
1: Well, I mean, no, I absolutely wasn't. I had left PETA. Um, okay. And I had returned to Austin. I left PETA really actually pretty disgusted with it because over the course of time, I really began to appreciate that. It felt like really like a cult, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was really weird. And that the things that I understood, like I love animals, you know, we right. all love animals. Right. right? Um, And I was not a vegan before I moved up to work for PETA. I was a vegetarian. I've been a vegetarian, like, most of my life. I just really don't like to eat meat or whatever. I eat some now. But um, when I was working for them, I sort of, like, morphed into this job where I was the girl who could, I guess, get things done for them. So I was the girl who, you know, put a pie in the face of Oscar de la Renta. (laughs) I was the girl who threw a raccoon on the plate of Anna Wintour, which – you know, they act as if these are, they acted as if these were like independent acts, but they totally sent me there to do that. And I really didn't like it. I was really uncomfortable confronting people in that way. And it was, it it really actually bothered me. And I I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And they're like, well, because I could, I guess, accomplish these feats, whatever they were, which in this day and age, obviously you couldn't do, it's almost like, you know, what are you setting somebody up to go harass somebody or something? right? Right. But, um, I just was disgusted by the time I left there. And in fact, one of the things that really bothered me the most was I had a, a good friend there and she had this dog that she got and the dog was like scared. When he saw her so she would like pee on the floor which is sad it was like a really traumatized dog Mm -hmm. and they put him down like they kill healthy animals they're not they're anti-human and anti-animal so they have they follow the philosophy of this guy peter singer which you don't know until you're like in it and you're like what and apparently this guy is somebody who doesn't even think that um, disabled humans have value. So it's very disturbing. I got out of there pretty much as quickly as I could. Yeah. And I moved back to Austin at the same time, around that time, my best friend was um, in hospice. So I came back to be there for that. And that's when I met Alex.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure. So what was kind of your role? What was your family dynamic uh, with Alex in the early years, um, possibly even before you had kids? You guys, uh, you worked together uh, in the business sense too, right?
1: Well, I mean, I, you know, pretty much the second I said, okay, I'll leave my job and work for you. I was just like pretty much in a house by myself all the time with Alex or mm-hmm. alone working. Like I worked, you know, 10 to 12, 15 hours a day. Sometimes I was his producer. I was his publicist. I was his mail order fulfiller, I was his phone answer. I was, you know, at the beginning it was, I did everything. Cause we didn't have a staff, um, over time we would get a staff, but, um, I pretty much was just always working and it was not a very happy existence actually. And I was really not happy even at that juncture in our relationship, but I was pretty much isolated from, you know, my older friends and family and my best friend had just passed away. Mm-hmm. And so I was just in this weird, really not good situation. And I guess I felt pretty trapped, you know, but I, I did it, you know, I stayed there.
0: Sure. I I've heard you talk on on other podcasts and other interviews and you talk about you know I I mean it comes as no surprise that um, you feel like Alex Jones had some sort of you know mental issues and anger and aggression obviously Um, what did what was there a point where that started to be more obvious or was he just kind of always that way.
1: Well, I want to be clear when I talk about Alex and really the only reason why I've come forward publicly, Dan, and I think that some of this has gotten lost in translation is because I'm convicted that the extreme example that my case is in family court where you have a very obviously unhealthy, unwell person, which is a tragedy, right? That's not like me saying, oh, you suck or you, Mm -hmm. you know, hate you or whatever. It's a really sad situation. It's a mean situation and it's not like it's a nice, but, um, I have really come forward about Alex because I want people to understand that in my case and what happens in custody cases and especially in high dollar custody cases is that. Experts they're called experts. I don't I I think they'd be better referred to as junk service providers Come into the mix and are at great expense hired to come but come between you and your ex or your Mm -hmm. Divorcing spouse and determine who's the better parent or who's a good parent or if you're good at all or whatever and so this is um, It's pretty shocking for people to hopefully understand maybe they can understand through your show Dan that in my case all of the concern was focused on me when I said, this guy has done these horrible things to me in our relationship, and I'm just trying to get out. And I was gaslit, which means they they tell you that you're crazy or they treat you as if you're crazy when you're not. I was victim shamed, you know, in this era of me too. I don't think that would necessarily happen in the same way that it did back then. Although I do know it's presently happening to other people with the same experts who still walk the street in Austin, Texas unbelievably because they're really truly corrupt there are experts in my case who have admitted receiving kickback payments from other experts they've referred there's experts who have told supervisors on my case they didn't want me to get my kids back because then i wouldn't have any money but all of these people had no concern about alex jones i mean really and the things that have come out publicly I, i just use this as an example uh you know in the past month alex was on the air drunk and raging Screaming F Trump, F yep. this, F that, right? Simultaneously talking about shoving things up people's bodies, mm-hmm. talking about actual sex acts while my child was in the studio, really? while my son was in the studio. and he And I believe with all my heart that Alex was completely wasted that night. You can see him shoving furniture and engaging in rage. And he drove my child, my son, up to the studio in that state and engaged in that behavior in front of him. Gotcha. And nobody cares. That's all, That's all. Uh, I guess, just no problem. No, it's a huge problem. My children have been left in a horrible situation by a grossly negligent judge who's <laughs> superseded the jury's decision with great bias to leave them in this. And now Alex has filed to sue again for child custody. Um, Alex... You asked me a question, Dan, and I kind of wandered off. Right? That's all right.
0: Just,
1: to, to, to help people understand how – this situation is crazy, right? It's crazy mm-hmm. to think that all the focus was on me and not on him, right? right. And, and I have a lawsuit, Dan, out there for defamation. And I'm not talking just the defamation he did on YouTube. I'm talking the defamation he did of me to my children, Mm -hmm. which is disgusting and horrific, and it's called parental alienation, and there's so much evidence that that type of severe psychological abuse was engaged in. I'm talking defamation to the school, to these experts. I mean, a course of conduct with highly paid, like his employees involving themselves is horrific. Absolutely. So, um, well, thanks for your empathy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I see. (laughs) I mean, Alex Jones has become – um, I mean, everybody sees this guy. They see him on TV, on the internet and everything. They see him as, like, a caricature of, like, conspiracy people. And he's, like, this crazy, funny guy who, you know, blows his lid every now and then. And it's it's a laughable thing. But, um, you know, you, you think about n- – nobody really thinks about – even when he brings them on the air, nobody really thinks about Alex Jones as a dad, as a, you know, a mentor to these kids. And um, it, it's just a sad thing to, you know, take – this uh this crazy fireball and think he's raising your children that's that's horrifying
1: well you know all kids deserve and need a father and it's my strongest hope for him to be involved in their life you know mm-hmm. unfortunately the way he's involved now is very toxic and it's terrible my children really aren't in a bad situation my hope and my request to the jury was for an injunctive period of time For him to seek assistance to learn how to not be an alienator, Mm -hmm. to and I didn't indicate it there, but I mean it's pretty obvious. I think it's pretty evident. My feelings are, my impression are, my 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 impressions are, my belief is that he's just really descended in the past even half year into like an and and longer, but particularly recently into an incredibly um, alcoholic state, and it's a horrific thing uh alcoholism is a horrible disease you know god bless us people who have it they need they, there's help out there to be sought but you have to admit you have a problem right. and to think that um this is evident to me i don't know if it is to you dan when i'm seeing him like on the air slurring his words and, and unable it's hard to, to talk <laughs> and um and my experience of him of course is anchor right like well and he's like toasting alcohol on the on the um on the show and stuff mm-hmm. like drink you know bragging about being able to drink a whole bottle of Jack Daniels at a time or getting wasted with Joe Rogan. I mean, these things are, you know, he's doing it right. Right. Um, so it's a sad situation. I think uh, one of the things I really feel like in our relationship, and I want to come back to the conspiracy thing you said too, because I want to tell people a little bit about my politics because I think people are a little bit like off, um, don't really understand where I'm coming from and I get that right. (laughs) Um, but, At the beginning of our relationship, I mean, one of the things that came out, and it's been reported on, so I can say it, is that Alex has narcissistic personality disorder, right? That's a pretty serious diagnosis. It has to do with uh, being unable to have empathy. You know, everything is about self, but it comes from a really broken place, so it's really sad. Um, I think one of the things I struggle with the most, actually, is having too much empathy Mm -hmm. for Alex. and because I also see what my kids are going through and how that's hurt them actually so much psychologically, which is really hard to be around. It's really hard to be around. Um, and, and they're still beautiful, wonderful, genius kids, but they have had a lot of trauma in their life from this system and from what they've been put through by the experts and by Alex and his emissaries and entourage and all that. Um, but at the beginning in a narcissistic relationship, it's all happy. I mean, he was, he was really like almost worshipful of me, right? Like he was like, you know, which I should, maybe that's not the best thing. Sure. If you see somebody being like too like into you, that's right. an a issue. Like, but I was, it was a tough time in my life. And then from the get go, there were really red flags that I saw that I just kind of ignored. I'm like, ah, eh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And I was also a lot less, um, I was, I guess, I was in a way pretty immature, you know, for the age I was when I met him. I was still just kind of living, kind of fancy free. I'd always traveled a lot in my life and been kind of an adventurer, you know. So, um, but pretty quickly over time, the the signs weren't uh, sort of morphed into real meanness and and isolation and manipulation and cruelty but he is a really good manipulator right like he's able to convince a lot of people of a lot of crazy things oh yeah that's how a gaslighter (laughs) works they work on your own perception of self right so I really started doubting myself and then you know fast forward a few years I was always pregnant pretty much or had a young baby on my hip and um you know, four or five years into the relationship, I really had lost completely like this independent kind of world traveling person that I was. When I was with Alex, we never flew flew one time in an airplane, not once. And I was with him for 15 years, uh, except we did go to the California thing. But once we were married with kids for 12 years, never flew in an airplane. Um, It was, it was really like the more I really think about it and I'm just, I'm still actually, trying to leave it Dan because sure. my everyday life I wish people I mean I can't show people what I'm working on but you know I was tied up in court every day I have paperwork to do and filings to deal with and going through and I'm rereading all this stuff which is horribly traumatizing it's very hard um but when I literally look back on it it was really pretty obvious how terrible it was I just got so isolated and I think that's what happens in a domestically abusive or violent relationship you know Yeah. So, um, but what I was going to say at the beginning, he was pretty involved with the birth of my first child when he was around some, you know, he wasn't involved like most parents would be like getting up in the night. He don't think he ever really did that ever even once Mm -hmm. or changing diapers, but he was trying to play the family man a little bit. My second child came a little bit less and then fast forward, you know, about the time of her birth or shortly after I think when he really started drinking again, he started getting a lot more famous. And, and it was just by the time my third child was born, I mean, he just was gone, you know, he was gone all the time. And so that's the story. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So what was uh, the final straw? I mean, um, at what Uh, point did you decide that you've had enough?
1: Well, I tried to leave him many times. In fact, I actually filed for divorce, I think for the first time in 2005. Um, I was really isolated. And I was also, I mean, I contend that I was pretty much brainwashed. You know, he's a cultist. I feel like I, one of the things he always did talk about back then was CPS. And he said, if I ever tried to leave him, that CPS would take the children. and I'd never see them again, which is interesting that he knew this, this information because I didn't even know that you could actually lose your kids. Like, you know, I didn't have any... Uh, why was, he, for why was he
0: saying, I mean, what was his reasoning for thinking that the children would get taken away if he left him?
1: That, that the whole world's against us, you know, just mm-hmm. that, um, that uh, if you tell people like if I if I went to a battered women's shelter or if I went to seek help, and I'm not alleging a ton of physical violence, but there was some, you know, mm-hmm. um, most of the abuse was other kinds of abuse like the Me Too and the and the um, psychological abuse, but um. You know, just basically that the whole world was against us and, um, you know, me and you against the world. And if you leave, they'll all come and get the kids or something like that, you know, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but I don't know. It says a lot of
0: ridiculous things, so it's not that unbelievable. It's
1: it's (laughs) being, having experienced like a a relationship where you're really gaslit and emotionally Mm -hmm. abused, it's really hard to explain to people how somebody with like you know an educated background or a normal person can find themselves in that but it does happen so
0: Hey, Dan Smotz here. I'm taking a second to interrupt myself talking to talk about myself because, you know, I don't get paid a penny for the hours and hours that I put into creating this show for you guys in your greedy little ears, and I've got a family to feed. To make that happen, I run my own media business called Goulash Media. If you have a need in anything from video production to graphic design to audio production and beyond, you can get it all for a painfully fair price at Goulash Media. In video, I do weddings, music videos, commercials, pageants, plays, etc., etc., etc. For design, I do photo editing, editing album art, logos, branding, business cards, merchandise, you name it. For audio, I do engineering, production, editing, jingles, and, well, podcasts. So if you've got a media need of any kind, or if you'd just like to give a little something back and help keep my children fed, check out all the endless options at my website, goulashmedia.net. That's goulash, G-O-U-L-A-S-H, media.net, where we cater to the little guy with the big vision. (sighs) Okay. So, um... Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people that aren't, um, you know, hardcore Alex Jones listeners probably don't even know about this custody battle and the stuff that's going on with that. Can you give us kind of a quick rundown of what you've been put through with this?
1: Oh, my gosh. I don't know if there's a quick version of it. Give, give us
0: the long one then. Um, <laughs> okay. If you've told the story many times, I don't want to force you to I don't to think go anybody's ever it, but... actually
1: asked for the real story okay. of it. So I've told bits and pieces. And again, I want to bring it back. To the real core issue, which is court corruption, I think a lot of people are interested in me because they want the dirt on Alex Jones, and then I get a lot of flack from people saying, "Oh, it's sour grapes, and how could she air their dirty laundry?" I don't want to be doing this, okay? But four and a half years after I, he's been doing divorce, it the
0: whole time too. I've seen well, him you know, going yeah, on and for all this time about-
1: after the divorce, I am still fighting to get my kids back, and now I have no money. You know, I have more money than a lot, but not the kind of money you need to litigate against Alex Jones. Right. You know, I'm in a, a, really different situation with that. And, but, but mostly I just want to get, I want a life, you know, I'm still trying to leave Alex Jones. Basically. Right. I am still trying to get away from my abuser. And what has happened is that the court, family court and corrupt experts create a playground for bullies to control and abuse their ex spouses or divorcing spouses. So, When I filed for divorce finally in 2013, December, I'm pretty sure he was planning for the divorce to happen himself because I'm pretty sure he already had his new wife, girlfriend then, right? the businesses were completely restructured without my uh knowledge or permission and i was the primary owner or managing member i guess is what it was called um so they they formed secret businesses behind my backs to supplement big businesses i had said no hey i don't want to sell supplements <laughs> like why are we selling supplements right. you know we have tons of money that's not what we do and and so alex excuse me alex and his dad went um and behind my back with our own attorney and foreign businesses that diverted millions and millions of dollars away from our estate. But by the time I filed for divorce, things had gotten so bad. Like he was just actively harassing me, making fun of me with my children, like doing a lot of pre-alienation stuff, which is actually what happens a lot in domestically violent relationships. It was sort of the day... I remember the day when my son started emulating a lot of his behaviors and I had said, Oh, you know, Alex is not around that much, you know, cause when he wasn't around, I mean, it was, we were at school, we were at swim team, right. you know, we were at gymnastics dance, uh, hanging out with their friends, soccer team, whatever.
0: Normal um, family life.
1: Yeah. Like a normal family life. So when he wasn't around, it, you know, it was pretty relatively normal kind of single mom kind of thing, I guess. I had mm-hmm. some help sometimes, but, um, when he started, he there was it really amped up to where he was just, when he was around, it was so bad. And then I saw my son doing it and I was like, okay, this, this lie that I'm culpable for, by the way, like responsible for, um, like it's hard to look at yourself like that, but I'm responsible for staying in the relationship way too long. Um, and I know, I don't know how to come from this from the correct point of advocacy as a survivor of domestic violence and abuse, but it is really hard to leave. So I try to have empathy with myself, you know, but I look back and I wish I had tried harder. And I hope that if anybody's watching this and you think you might be in a domestically violent or abusive relationship, or if somebody's trying to make you feel like your perceptions are not correct or there's something wrong with you, you're, you're crazy or unstable or something and you know, you're not, I mean at your heart, like search your heart, pray, meditate, whatever it is. And and understand that you probably are in a domestically violent relationship because tens of people are, both men and women, mostly women. And um, it's a horrific thing to be in. So I stayed in too long. When I saw my son emulating some of the behaviors, I said, that's it. You know, this joke that I've been, this lie you've been telling yourself that your kids are not experiencing this, like you think, you know, that it's all hidden is a big lie, you know. I saw that that show, um, was it Little Lies, Sweet Little Lies, or it's a great show. It's got like Nicole Kidman in it, and it does a fantastic uh, way of showing what it's like to be in a domestically violent relationship. Yeah. That dynam- dynamic was a little bit different there, but she's thinking, you know, oh, we're in this together kind of thing, you know. And uh, but the truth is is that the kids are picking it up, and it's right. a horror. So I finally filed in December 2013. You asked for the story. Mm -hmm. Um, I filed collaboratively. I found uh, I, I was terrified to just file. In fact, before that, I had written agreements with him, like, please move out. Let's seek counseling. Like, I really tried to seek counseling with him. Like I, my foundation, the fundamental person of who I am is I'm a Christ follower. I try not to say Christian, although Christ follower sounds kind of culty or weird (laughs) because Christians have a really bad name and partially because of people get on the air and say hate and, and horrible things (laughs) and then use God's name to perpetuate that information. So i I follow Jesus and his teachings and, um, that, you know, really wanted to keep our family together. And so I sought counseling, um, prior to, to filing, I actually like allowed myself to go to church cause he would never let me go to church. He said, Oh, let's do a home Bible study all the time. Hmm. Really was really good at isolating. I don't think he's really doing that right now with my kids in hmm. their other home.
0: Did, did he have uh, reasons for not wanting to go to a local church?
1: Well, he didn't want me to do anything. I sure. mean, he didn't want me to, he didn't want me to wear my hair down. <laughs> he didn't want me to wear contact lenses. I mean, he didn't want me to, um, like, I, I, I have a tap dancer. I started dancing. He didn't want me to dance. He didn't want mm-hmm. me to, I mean, literally, he didn't want me to do anything, really. Oh. In fact, I was so isolated, Dan, by the time that um, that I was going into town for, court and stuff. I was like, Oh, Austin's really gotten to be big city. <laughs> I mean, I was just really out, you know, I was doing my like mom circuit. swimming uh-huh. pool, you know, I mean, we went downtown, but not, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't in the life, you know, I was isolated away. Right. Um, so I tried to st- seek counseling. I went to church and actually that's where I first like spoke to my church and I said, what do I do? I'm in this relationship and it's terrible. And I followed their advice, which was to divorce him. And I've actually been in a lot of contact with the church and I've had some good prayer support, but I said, man, don't tell anybody that anymore in this town until we get the family court situation cleaned up. Mm -hmm. Because what happened was in the collaborative process, which is how I filed, which is a mediation style process where you try to come to agreements and work it out. um, Alex broke every, agreement he was uh, coming in the home and harassing me when he wasn't supposed to be there he took my dog he took my you know artwork he was just and he, and he was engaging with me in a bizarre way in front of the children still and there was a culminating incident that i won't talk about here that resulted in me saying you know listen if we can't if you can't follow these basic agree that you're going to follow these basic rules i'm going to have to go to litigation right and he laughed at me and rocked back and showed me his teeth. And I filed for a divorce and uh, went into litigation. And at that time, I was still homeschooling my kids like five, six hours a day. I was a homeschool mm-hmm. mom, part time that we did a partnership school. Well, homeschooling was his idea, right? Uh, my kids at that point watched no TV basically at all. They weren't like they, they still had a relatively normal life, but it was very much like I was always interacting with them basically. So I was always tied up with my kids doing stuff. Um, it came to a mediated settlement agreement, a mediation. So we went into this mediation, and I had horrible, horrible, horrible advice. Um, actually, when I went into litigation, I was referred to an attorney. Who told me, give me all this dirt, anything you have on Alex. And I had a lot of dirt, right? Right. But I just didn't want to do that. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. And so I've looked back at that moment so many times in my life and thought, wow, if I had just done that, it would have been so different, right? Right. Because I ended up losing my kids. I ended up losing all the, like, uh, some horribly disproportionate settlement that is just so absurdly disproportionate. I don't even know how to describe it, but- I, I think my net worth now is probably like maybe one one hundredth of what his is or something like that. And sure. I have no, I have no, um, and that's a guess, uh, but I have no, um, income and it's hard for me to generate income. It's hard for me to even figure out AdSense or whatever for custody wars sure. when I'm doing, um, my legal stuff all day long. Mm-hmm. But, um, I know like I come back to my faith. I believe that I've had to go for this for for a reason uh, because I believe that what happened to my kids and how I survived this and how I'm still here talking to you is I believe that it's going to matter, that it's going to matter because my example is so extreme. I'm the one person of hundreds of thousands of people in America who lose their kids to family court and justice, who lost them to Alex Jones, who right. is notoriously out of control and just considered by many to be just a horrifically hateful and dangerous person. So I believe that my story can and will matter and that's how come I'm still in it today because I tell you what and that and because of God because without that I wouldn't there's no way I would have survived what I went through. I went through degradation, false accusation, watching my children being medically and and neglected and physically neglected and abandoned to bizarre situations and exposed to adult information and content I will not share with you here and left with untreated broken bones and untreated pneumonia and things like that, that a parent can't even, you know, you you can't even express how awful it is to, to see that happening and to not be able to do anything about it. And how come I couldn't do something about it was because a horrible, irresponsible, malpracticing attorney recommended to me to get a guardian ad litem, which is supposed to represent the best interests of a child. And in this state, in this town, there are like I can't tell you how many people I know who are in a horrible situation with a guardian ad litem or somebody that's acting in the guise of a guardian ad litem because in Texas they have no oversight. They have no standard course of conduct. Um, The guardian in my case was so biased and so grossly negligent, it's indescribable to the point that her negligence was traumatic to me. And what was happening, and get this, my kid, my son, I was going to say my kids, but it was really my son was told to record me with a camera at all times. So I had a video camera in my or phone in my face at all times, and my kids were showing up upset and distressed and freaking out about the things that were going on. And, it, and I was terrified because he would come, and it would look like it's me, right? Like mm-hmm. my, my own child is doing this, but the most horrific thing is not what somebody could think about you. It's knowing that your child, my son adored me, He loved me. Mm -hmm. My son and I were incredibly close. Alex didn't have anything to do with him. Knowing that that child who's wanted his father's attention his whole life is now getting it because he's an agent to try and harm his mother. It is the sickest thing ever. And it was encouraged by this guardian. And the guardian um, has admitted that she committed perjury about lies about me that were not true that she put in my... um, that she gave to the psych psych evaluator, psychiatric evaluator, whatever, that were in her recommendation report. I've had uh, false CPS reports issued on me. Lies, just flat out lies. Meanwhile, Alex had only wanted the kids um less than standard possession, which is less than like uh every other weekend. Mm-hmm. He got a one bedroom apartment. He didn't even have I have three kids. Right. He got a one bedroom apartment. And and yet this woman came in and she said oh how about 50/50 kids she started presenting this concept to them they had never spent any time with him at that juncture anywhere close to even standard possession time anywhere near they were that they're probably right? excited
0: to get to spend more time with dad finally
1: maybe and maybe <laughs> with you know the the suitcases of candy that the grandparents were bringing and then the simultaneous overlay of the brainwashing and toxic right. messages they were relaying about me that i caused the divorce that I was basically, they, they made me behind everything. And then the experts that came in that were put on the case by that central first guardian who then would later, Oh, there it goes again. Uh, So the experts that came into place that were put on by that guardian that kind of went down the line were handpicked by her, you know, Um, by the way, one of them received some suspicious uh, $22,000 of payment from Alex for two months work Mm -hmm. when he was charging $200 an hour to see my son, maybe four times a month. I don't know what that is. I'm not alleging anything, but it seems very questionable. Right. Um, so parental alienation is really what I've been outspoken about. It is um, it is a systematic brainwashing to of one parent to turn the children against another parent. It happens all the time. People know this happens in divorce, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, it's more than that. It's more toxic than that. It's everything that they do is a manipulation either to show – um, some deficiency of the parent, or to feed them some sort of um, encrypted message within another, you know, just discourse about, oh, well, we don't do that at our house, or removing photographs of the other parent, or just outright lying or saying horrible things. I mean, I had my daughter at the time, uh, six years old, come up to me, I think she was six, and say, Mama, daddy says you threw a book at me, but you didn't. And can you imagine that? And these are the things. So I went from being the soccer mom, swim team mom, you know, uh, by the way, his parents, Oh, you're the Madonna. You're the best mother ever. You know, nobody's as good a mom as you. I mean, everybody, you know, Thanksgiving, me with the Turkey, you know, just waiting on everybody. It's really <laughs> horrible actually. Um, it's really sad when I think about it, but, um, it really actually gross. Um, it's
0: more gross to think about that. You know, none of that matters in this case. What is the reasoning? Like, how did he end up with the kids after all this?
1: Because the guardian was hostile to me. She's a biased, horrible guardian. Um, Interestingly enough, her name is Allison Wilcox, by the way. If you're in Austin, Travis, or Hayes County and have had Allison Wilcox harm you in your case or act with gross negligence in her case, please contact me. You can reach me at media at Mm -hmm. custodywars.com. And that's just a little shout out to all the people there. Also, if you've had Alyssa Sherry on your case, please contact me. Um, And so it's actually good that I'm doing that, Dan. You know why? Because I have actually joined with so many people across the country, but also in Texas who have had these same bad actors. So it's definitely not just me. There's people that act repeatedly with um, with bias against people, and they're put in place by high, high dollar attorneys, the same high dollar attorney putting the same expert in place over and over again, giving them a job that, for instance, in my case, uh, the subsequent case manager who presented herself to be a guardian, which she was not, required a 40 thousand dollar a month retainer (laughs) you Mm. do the math on that a month i mean that's people's yearly you know a lot of people's yearly or or whatever um it's highly lucrative for them they don't have any oversight and this woman was just so biased i mean she what she ignored is shocking and alex could do no wrong he would send me horrible hostile paranoid texts she got them no problem i would miss one of the phone calls that were set up And I was like Satan (laughs) and he would get like 20 phone calls a month and I would get like three, but, and I wouldn't miss it anyhow, or I'd be late and it'd be like, you weren't at the phone where your ex-husband wanted you to be right. Basically it's like, you're going to, she let, uh, she she let endorsed, encouraged my ex-husband to control me still and encouraged my children to do that camera in my face against the law intercepting uh, documents that were from my attorney that were confidential. And the culminating incident, so after 10 months, it took about 10 months after her being on. Um, and and this whole time she was – we had started, the kids were with me. I mean, I, my little girl was, like, frantic, did not want to go away. She'd never stay with her dad. And, I mean, he's drinking and stuff, you know. He's mm-hmm. he's Alex. Like, he's he's always working and yelling. And, I mean, there would be, like – Even the simplest things back then, like if I knew, like if you're planning a divorce too, by the way, if you want to feed your kids organic or low sugar, or if you think that they shouldn't watch scary movies on TV, just forget about that mattering in family court because it doesn't. I mean, I was really a conservative lady, um, had been encouraged to be that, but really, I mean, I guess I adopted that, you know. Um, I, my kids max like PG, you know, movies, they were right. watching R rated horror films, all this crazy crap. Mm-hmm. I'd be, um, movies of them in the car, like banging their heads to heavy metal. Like my little six year old, my six year old, the nanny took a video, like got up in a, in a bench, like a, a porch swing. And she said the F word mm-hmm. and she just said it like, it was like, what is how you say it? And she was six years old and that child never heard that or from my household. And it was just like a horror. So this is all happening. I'm seeing my kids horribly traumatized, turn against me. I mean, my youngest particularly was still really connected with me and like wanted to be with me. And my son was mad at her about that. She showed up with huge bruises and scratches on her face. And he's like, I mean, how much older is he than her? He's like seven years older than her. I mean, she's like a little kid. He's like a big guy. And, uh, and, the culmination of it was, so my kids were alienated, which is part of the reason why I talk out as well, because I didn't know what it was. Like I knew about it a little bit. I didn't research it like I should have. I didn't seek, um, help for it from experts that are out there. Experts like Dr. Childress or Amy Baker that can really help parents navigate. If you have alienated children, how to deal with them. Cause yeah. you know, your something you don't think like, about
0: until you're you're in it until you're in the middle of it that
1: loves you that Mm -hmm. that you held the hand of my son held my hand until he was 10 years old it's just kind of old right like a swim team he'd reach over and grab my hand and stuff I remember it my kids that like wanted to cuddle with me or for me to read them a books or watch movies with them they're telling you I hate you I don't ever want to see you you know like showing up from being gone for a week not seeing you and showing up telling you you hate you it's like man I can't even tell you what that feels like I, I know there's people watching this and know that what's what it feels like it feels it feels so scary because you're trying to get your kids away from a horrible situation and you know how much it's hurting them and you cannot reach them and it's also it's also so scary that it it's makes you angry or terrified. Like I had, you know, it creates anxiety. I have PTSD some, you know, I'm a high functioning person, but I was in a violent traumatic relationship. This whole situation of having my kids ripped out of my life. I don't know if that's really classified as PTSD, but what is it? It's a huge trauma. Losing a cow loses their calf and, and it's taken away. I mean, the cow mourns the calf. A cow like is freaking out trying to get your calf. I'm a human being that Losing your children is an indescribably, horrifically traumatic thing, especially when they're going to what you know is a very dangerous and toxic situation. I'm just going to say it here. I don't ever talk about it. Alex married a prostitute. He moved a prostitute, a prostitute, a hooker in with my kids while this was going on. And they didn't have any problem with that or what my kids were exposed to, but they were worried about me because I was worried about my kids. And so cut to the chase, I had a camera in my face the whole time. There was a night uh, my kids had been gone uh, the whole week with Alex. My son showed up saying he hated me. My youngest child had bee stings all on her feet and had been dosed with Benadryl but left to school like that. And so had my middle child was on Benadryl. They were doing that a lot, just giving them Benadryl, are you kidding me? Like my kids, these kids. I mean, not to mention Dan, the loss of intellectualism, the loss of culture. Right. My my son, my my incredibly articulate son, was the most exuberant, joyous kid out there. He's so angry and hateful now. Like he's just so angry, and he's a teenager. Some of it, and everybody wants to say, "Oh, it's just a teenager." No, you know your kids. Like nobody's gonna say. I'm so disconnected from the culture or world or whatever that I don't know when it's normal with my kids. I'm sorry. I've got a huge circle of friends with kids. I'm a normal person. I'm just like as normal as anybody. Right. No, it's completely normal. Um, But uh, you know, he, he just, he loved science. He was a swimmer. My gosh, my son swam, I think eight or nine years. And he was just ripped out of the water. Like they just stopped swimming. They stopped doing gymnastics. My daughter had broken the pool record. Like fastest kid in Lakeway, Texas in the pool, my daughter off. Awesome. Like so good and not even the biggest, but the fastest for her, heat or whatever her age, whatever it was. right? And, uh, just taken out of everything. So, um, one, one day they showed up from school. Rex was saying, I say his name, I guess, cause he's been on the air. I hate that by the way. Right. He's not supposed to put him on the air. I disagree with it. And my son is really angry about with me right now for me speaking up about him being in the public eye, but it's not a normal exposure. You know, it's not like a YouTube channel of whatever. And I'm sorry, he needs to be able to formulate his own identity outside of all this. He's a kid. And um, just like you wouldn't want your son, maybe Dan to, if you were a uh, baker, a donut man, okay, (laughs) you're not going to be at like at 15 years old, maybe in old time Europe or something, you'd be like, okay, you're done. You're 15. We're going to go down to the basement. It's 4am. You're going to go make the donuts. That's who you are. You're a baker. You know, how many, how many stories have been written about this really? Like how many fairy tales have this central theme? Like, no, but I want to be a, I want to be an actor, you know, or whatever right. it is. I don't want to yeah. be a baker. Like kids need to form who they are. Right. So, um, the kids showed up. Rex was very hostile, very alienated. Uh, my youngest had bee stings on her feet because she was staying a lot with the grandparents in a one bedroom pool house, one bed. So that's three ki- kids, two adults. My young daughters were co sleeping with their grandfather in this yeah. weird arrangement on a bench. I mean, these people like Alex is a millionaire, right. you know. <laughs> we have I have a full house with three bedrooms, one for each child here. You know, just crazy town. Um, but they were on Benadryl and. I had to take them to an appointment and, um, there was just hysteria. Like, you know, he was saying horrible things and it was making my daughter mad, my middle daughter. So she was like kicking a seat and then that would make the youngest one cry. So it's just kind of pandemonium and it's out of control. Like it was just like chaos and it was just like misery, disaccord, you know, like just horrible, like, very upset kids, very upsetting to a parent. Right. right. So we come home. I called the guardian. I said, look, Rex is really acting alienated. I called all these people to try to get help. Nobody would come and help. And um, Rex, while this is happening, is running around with the camera, right? Which is just like, you know, I'm terrified. I'm having an anxious moment. My heart is beating. Why is my child doing this? And so then Alex called. And I mean, it was, you know, he still just harasses me every day. Anyhow, pretty much a little hyperbolic, but close to it. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones still harasses me. He has people follow me. He has cameras pointed into my property. I don't think anybody he, would
0: find that hard to believe knowing Alex Jones.
1: It's <laughs> horrible. I mean, hor- on Mother's Day, he was sending me like these bizarre texts about what vitamins I mm. need to give our children and telling me how I need to work on the relationship with our son that he's withheld for six months from court-ordered visitation. Wow. But anyhow, um, all this stuff was going in the house. There was a call, court order call, my daughter was talking to Alex and she started lying about what was happening. She said, oh, my, oh, and I, I was going to take my youngest child to urgent care. And um, my middle child was like, she's going to die. And it was just like hysteria. It was like because they were having anxiety and they were very upset anyhow from, I guess, their weird life. You know, these kids, like the trauma that these kids have been put through. I don't know. I don't know how the people that have done this to children sleep with them sleep at night i don't know how they live with themselves i don't know how alex jones's mom carol jones looks herself in the mirror when she gets up in the morning or his dad david jones or his cousin buckley hammond or his cousins hester and verna hammond or his aunt Lil hammond all of you people shame on you for what you've done to my kids to alex's and my kids you know what you did you are complicit and involved and you are going to be seen for what you did because what you did is a horror you're monsters all these people that think, oh, they're, they're just enablers. These are people that get millions of dollars from him, and they'll just, like, help him take kids.
0: And, so they're and all fully aware of the situation. and what Oh, yeah,
1: but you no. Know, now on. all of a sudden I'm, like, the worst person in the world to them, right? Of course. So what happened was um, they were recording, and my daughter told Alex some lies, and I said – I freaked out. I was like, why are you saying that? Why are you lying about me? And I just had kind of like a parental – Meltdown that was maybe like one level, like not it, it was pretty intense. I mean, I yelled at not her, Alex yelled Jones' at,
0: level, I assume.
1: <laughs> I, I don't think it was, it definitely wasn't Alex Jones slamming Trump your fist on desks or anything. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But Alex was a destroyer of property, I'll tell you what, he's a scary guy. Mm-hmm. But, um, anyhow, that the, my son had it on iPad. Alex was waiting on the other side of my fence to receive the iPad, it was a total frame, it was totally framed. And the the video was edited the ipad has never been provided it's just the shadiest thing so then they're like uh, the guardian's like oh you'll never see your kids again unless you leave town to arizona to outpatient not inpatient like i'm not checking into the looney tune house i'm just not that that's bad if you need inpatient and oh, my heart goes out to you actually that sounded terrible and i think people need to normalize uh you know, mental illness. That right. some people have mental illness, and it's not that they're bad for it. It's just that they have a sickness, right? Um, but if their sickness is destructive to other people, that's when it's bad. If they won't seek help, right? Right? Like if and the, and the great tragedy of all of this is that Alex has serious, horrific problems that people are well aware of, and when they the people that should have helped him that could have cut to the chase and helped him get assistance. They did none of that for him. Nobody's helped him. He's been fed on by greedy attorneys who are amping up the conflict still as we speak. Probably today writing something. Probably, I guarantee you, they are. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, um, this guardian's like, go to Arizona. Okay, that is... I think it's illegal. <laughs> I know it's illegal for her to have my son record me in the house, mm-hmm. but I was desperate for my kids. And she was the, control. a guardian has quasi judiciary power, which means that they decide everything. It's their recommendation that the judge is going to follow. The judge is really going to listen to this person more than pursue any evidence. Right. So I said, okay. And my own counsel, which I'll just talk about it. I guess I'm breaking privilege, horrible malpractice. Let's just say like, was really horrible to me. And so I went to Arizona. I went there to try to be compliant. And the second I left, my case was bifurcated, which means that um, it was split into money and kids, right? Custody and financial. Um, Alex filed the second. I was kicked out of town. He filed for sole managing conservator and for me to never have any contact with the kids ever at all, except Mm -hmm. with his permission, which I don't know if you recall the press conference that he gave. Um, after the jury trial, where he said, "I never filed to take my kids from my wife. If only she could get better and all this stuff." Right? Mm, I don't think uh, I saw No, it, yeah. I'm sorry to mock him like that. That's a terrible. That's not Alex Jones, right? It's all right. That's like a, <laughs> I mock him like all the time. Like so Pinocchio you're welcome. To and Shrek or something. <laughs> but anyhow, um, no, he filed over and over again to keep me from my kids, and and has made my life a life of of defending myself from horrible, malicious, vexatious litigation. But he filed for self-managing um and my business our business was valued to my exclusion uh, where they only talked to alex and his dad i mean his dad had never worked for us until then all of a sudden mm. his dad's working you know gets this big job come in and restructure everything whatever right and uh i was so frantically just only concerned about getting my kids that i was very participatory in all the therapy that i had to go through and actually you know, I found it very assistive. I mean, I was going through a horrible trauma. I, I would say that some of it was demeaning and definitely unnecessary, but I did learn a lot through the process um, and, uh, you know, ended up coincidentally um, being forced into <laughs> over 800 hours of, of therapy, which is the uh, equivalent of 40 years in two years, which I oh. think is psychological torture, you know. Mm-hmm. But anyhow... I was so focused on getting my kids back that the money thing went by the wayside. I lost all, almost everything in the business. And um, I accepted an, a mediated settlement agreement again, which was um, a step up plan to 50 50 with my kids. Uh, I accepted it under duress. I told the judge that I thought that he was a good judge, which I, you know, in hindsight, what I know now, I, I don't know about. Mm -hmm. some of his decisions. I know that he did allow that MSA to be entered when I said clearly that I was only accepting it because I was so worried about the power of the guardian who had ignored broken bones, you know, um, incidents of exposure that I'm not going to talk about here Um, had been so grossly negligent and was so biased against me that I felt like I would get a worse deal, you know, like if it were up to her. So under duress, I accepted this MSA which uh, at the time, you're not gonna believe the story is so crazy, I'm writing a book about it. And of course, I have a website, custodywars.com. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm tweeting a lot right now. I'm at alexjones underscore x. And um, you know, my purpose, again, is to try to show people how bad family court can be. But it turns out that the attorney that I had at the time representing me who, who solicited my business or, or went, tried to get my business to be my attorney was secretly working on two cases as a partner with Alex's family attorney. I mean, that is just so mm. unbelievably corrupt. It's not even funny. So he told me, accept this thing, put this woman on your case. Her name is Alyssa Sherry. She is like one of the most notorious bad actors in Austin. She's had at least five complaints at the Texas State Board of Examiners and Psychologists. And there's a lot of really interesting tweets going on right now about Alyssa Sherry, who's now posing in wet t-shirt type, poses i mean she's a family forensic psychologist <laughs> and talking bragging about um uh, buying a tesla and all this stuff you know I, I i tweeted to her i said how many children's tears does a red tesla cost you know Ooh. how how much grief mm-hmm. does it cost um but i said, yes oh the question <laughs> yeah it's horrible so she came on and um you know my the MSA I accepted was written into decree, a divorce decree that I never saw or signed. And I didn't know about it until it was past the time for me to appeal it. So all of a sudden I had this decree that I didn't know existed. I couldn't go back to the court and say, this isn't what I agreed to. And uh, the terms were, it's like the most convoluted thing in the world. Like people who have seen my divorce decree who are attorneys, so like they've never seen anything like it. It's like a novel. It's crazy. But there was a step up plan to 50, 50 with this case manager at the home, but no benchmarks. There were no like, do this and you get your kids this much more, you know? Do that and you get the kids this much more. No, there was none of that. In fact, it was totally up to her perception and her only power when she came on, according to the decree, was to move me up or down through the steps and to schedule the kids and stuff like this. Instead, she presented herself to be a guardian and she came in and did horrific things, including I had my youngest sooner, like on overnight, some of my other ones, she took them away because um, she said that the older ones felt like I was, she was my favorite or something. I mean, it's clear that I didn't set up the, the two tracks, and I feel like that was uh, one of these alienating things that the therapists were actually feeding to my kids. I mean, the therapist clearly told my kids things that were alienating, including to record me, which is just like the most alienating thing. What does that tell a child to say, you've got to record your mom at all times. Right. right. And, and by the way, I mean, this is Mr. Big brother, Alex Jones, like endorsing all of this crazy right. behavior. But, um, some of, another thing that the therapist told my kids, there was a group, a previous group with Allison Wilcox. And then another group came in, uh, I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars, these people. Um, and, uh, they told, I, I. they wanted the new, the old therapists were going to stay on with the new uh, guardian lady. It's so boring to talk about. It was so complicated. Um, but they wanted me to sign a release, which I had, they already had a release for me to talk to each other, whatever. Well, um they wanted me to sign a new release that they then wrote that had Allison Wilcox back on it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to sign that. You know, there's right. no way I would have ever taken the MSA in the first place. If I had ever thought, and Alyssa Sherry told me she'd never talked to Allison Wilcox, but in fact she did over and over again and Wilcox was feeding her toxic information. So this confirmation bias went over here. Although Alyssa Sherry is a, is a liar for hire and would have probably been biased against me no matter what. Mm. Um, and so, Uh, she, when I was saying is that she said that my youngest child felt like, or my older two felt it was favoritism. So she took away my overnights with like my six year old, like really, or maybe she was, she was barely seven then I guess. Mm -hmm. And my kid's like, what's going on? I want to be with my mom, you know? Uh, and, and I'm going, well, I don't know, you know? And so I was compliant with everything she did. Um, and what I did is I had a new attorney and he said, keep your child overnight according to the court order. It was my court order time. She didn't have authority to change my time. Um, I didn't have to follow her recommendations. And I said, well, I don't know about that because they're going to say I'm kidnapping her. It's horrible or something. But I mean, I had it in the order, like the legal order. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, just do it. And I said, well, I want to tell them I'm doing it. And he said, no, don't communicate. It's your your time. And so I kept my daughter <laughs> overnight according to my court order time. and I. um during the time I was communicating even to my attorney, then I want to say something to them because they're freaking out. Right. Cause I wasn't like returning her. And he said, do nothing. Well, that was my big strike. Right. But the thing is is that Alyssa Sherry saw the emails and texts that said, I don't want to do this. Right. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like, Oh, they're like, Oh, you're crazy because you followed your attorney's advice. It's like, it was my court order time. So basically I could, do you no know, right with her. Um, that was my first strike. Other strikes with Alicia Sherry. I mean, this is how I literally lost my kids. Um, and And I want to tell you about how she controlled my life and ruined and like the gauntlet I had to run to see my kids, which is I have spent hundreds of hours on supervised visitation, people following me and my kids around with a clipboard, everything I say, everything I do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are supervisors that quit from my case because they were so uncomfortable. They saw what was going on and they said, I can't be a part of this. She said something like you need to get more bad notes on Kelly. You're not writing enough bad things. There was a therapeutic team in Septed that consisted of the case manager Multiple supervisors, like three supervisors, a supervisor, business owner, uh, the individual therapist she put on me, my children's therapist, so two more, it was like eight people meeting to talk about me. Did they talk about Alex Jones at all? No, it was just like what? What could she possibly be doing that's wrong? Let's and they met over and over again, and they had meetings. They've destroyed their notes. They've destroyed their recordings of the meetings. Um, remember Allison Wilcox over here? She's destroyed all her records, which is a complete violation of um, her licensure. But um, the other strikes I have against me, and I mean, I see your flag there in the background. I was at an arbitration uh, that followed that event of me keeping my child. And um, there was something that happened during the arbitration. So the judge, this is actually official oppression. I believe it's a crime. His name is Judge Warney, And I believe that the government should investigate this or, you know, I believe that the FBI should look into this. I mean, he's or the he should be held accountable for a criminal act because he said, OK, I can't rule on your case the way that this arbitration is set up in the decree. Remember the decree I didn't see. I would never have agreed to Judge Warney being my arbitrator. Right. right. So. He said, but I just need a little bit more power. You know, just give me a little bit more power and I will rule. And I was like, no. (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not gonna give Judge Warney who took my entire business, my life away from me, my kids. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to give Judge Warney more power? That would be really foolish, right? So I'm sitting here, I've got one of my expert consultants here, and I've got my attorney here. And I'm trying, I'm telling my attorney, I'm like, no, no, don't give Judge Warney more power. You can't really talk in legal proceedings. It's very like Um, you know, and I, I always present well in court and have been really controlled and everything, but we're in a private arbitration. It's not even a court thing, by the way. Um, when I was with judge awarding previously, we weren't even in court. I didn't even know about other family court things because we had our meetings in the W hotel and fancy expensive conference rooms and, in uh, 100 Congress in private expensive rooms with like tea service and stuff. Mm. Crazy. So um, I'm telling my attorney no. And then he agrees. He starts to agree and the judge starts to rule. And I said, hold on. I'm like, I'm sitting right here and I'm upset. Horrible things have been said by Alyssa Sherry. It's a horrible moment. Alex has said terrible things about me and he's laughing at me, by the way, Alex like looks at me, laughs at me, mocks me, does the most, um, inappropriate. The most Alex con-
0: Jones typical stuff that <laughs> we would but all it's expect.
1: But court and he's right. never been once called on it. I mean right. he's like literally at the jury trial he's like he's like getting up out of his chair huffing and puffing. I really? mean he accosted a paralegal in the elevator you know. Really? Just crazy crazy stuff. Um, but anyhow I say wait a second I'm here you know no and Alex's little poindexter attorney who's unethical as so all get out Randy Wilhite Stands up and he goes, Well, it's a Rule 11 agreement, and your attorney started to agree. I said, That's ridiculous. And I went on, like, I, I, I don't think it's an Alice Jones tirade. I think it's an American sovereign tirade where I said, I have due process rights. This is unconstitutional. This is a big money scam. I did not agree to this arbitration. And I just kind of went off. And it was like me engaging in uh, pointing out that my whole constitutional rights have been violated. And uh, that event, was edited out of context given to the therapeutic team by Alyssa Sherry so I lost my kids for that event which by the way the judge then took my child away Mm -hmm. uh and um and the keeping of my youngest child with court order and then the third event the the big evil event was that my had my middle child on visitation and she was looking I had like a a happy like thank you card with a dog with a birthday hat on it on my counter. And she's like, Oh mom, let me see it. Now, remember that the supervisor had quit uh, because she wouldn't want to be involved with it. There was another supervisor who was still available, but she was no longer being called. Alyssa Sherry handpicked an unlicensed intern who didn't even have the qualifications or the legal right to be um, supervising a therapeutic role or whatever at my mm-hmm. home. Um, handpicked her for the supervision team which is a separate entity supposedly right it doesn't seem like it is if the case manager is picking for this other team right to Mm -hmm. supervise me this person comes over my daughter's looking at the card and she said um she said let me let me see that first let me take a picture and my daughter was like why like my you know big blue green eyes why and you know, just, this a little heart and you're just going, Oh my gosh, you just want to like, it's infuriating, right? Like this stranger in your home, making your child feel uncomfortable. I said, Charlotte, Oh, I said, child, go up to the front yard. Cause my house is uh, on a cliff. So I have my back is real separate from my front. We had a puppy. I was like, go play with the puppy. And so I went out on the back porch and I called somebody who had worked for me for many years. And I said, I need to come over here and be a witness cause I don't trust what this woman's going to ride. Right. And, um, And she came out while I was on the phone talking to my person, which is not her job. Her job is to watch me with my kid. My kid was in the front yard, not her position. She comes over and starts talking to me. I said, please do not speak to me. I'm on the phone trying to get a witness. I do not want to talk to you without a witness present. Mm -hmm. And she called Alyssa Sherry. The visit was canceled. And basically after that, I saw my kids. I don't know. I got to a point where I had them like two hours a week each. They had to drive To see me, my kids had to drive like an hour and a half each. They were all taken to each appointment. So my kids were basically living in a hot car in Texas to go to a supervised exchange where I was treated like, you know, a prisoner to receive my child for two hours during rush hour traffic, where the only place to go was a mall, which it took 20 minutes to get to with the traffic. And um, my kids have been through, put through such rigors that I mean, who would blame any kid just even for being like, man, I don't want to be involved with that anymore, you know? I want to go do whatever. And that's morphed into hang out
0: on TV with dad.
1: Yeah. I want to go get a Gucci belt, daddy, buy Mm -hmm. it for me. Okay, honey, I need more donations to go buy. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't want to be rude, but I mean, my kids are this very poor choices being made about designer goods for a 13 year old. That's all I have to say. So, um, so that's sort of the the thing in the nutshell, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about the rigors of it and, you know, I've kind of got my spiel down where I (laughs) talk about this a lot. So I know my story and the, and the facts pattern, but I mean, 40 years of therapy in two years, Mm -hmm. I was treated like, like I, everything about me was constantly on, um, being analyzed and I was constantly having to show how proactive and how much I wanted to, you know, be involved. And I have never been diagnosed with anything. I don't have borderline personality disorder. Mm. They all tried to say it. They've tried to say things like that. I have moon chasm by proxy because I believe that my child, when she has a broken toe and it gets a protective boot, should be able to wear it rather than being yelled at her father and told that she doesn't have a broken bone. Um, you know, I uh, believe that my child, when she has pneumonia, after Alex has had two family members die of untreated pneumonia, when Alyssa Sherry lied about speaking to the doctor and said that they don't need follow-up care or that they're being properly taken care of when they weren't, uh, and it was two my two children, but one of them was diagnosed with pneumonia. I believe that um, there's no way to describe what it's like to not be able to take care of your child when you really believe that they could be in deathly danger. Um, And, and just to see my children like on a weekend, I think I had them six hours total on a Saturday with a supervisor, right? I had them two hours each in different configurations and I would have to drive from my home here to South Austin, which is, you know, 40 minutes, you know, 45 minutes in traffic, maybe an hour in traffic both ways to see them for two hours because they'd want to come home. They mm-hmm. wanted to be at their house, you know? And I do that, what is that? Six times. What no? Yeah, back and forth. Six times in one day with a supervisor in a hot car in Texas in a hundred degree heat under a sign that Alex put up at the intersection that said, You are the resistance. Gosh. Yeah. So this is what I've been put through, but it's really, it's really not about me. It's about my kids. And um like I said, I hope that you got some of the information about the corrupt actors and their power. Um, I know of so many people right now in Austin, Texas, that and in Texas actually, because Alyssa Sherry's had to branch out into smaller counties because she's being, I think she's been kind of found out to be a bad actor, or or people know that people know she's a bad actor, so yeah. she's on the out list. But the other bad act- actors are still, you know, doing their their nasty deeds. This is interference with child custody for hire. It's a crime. I think it's a lot of people talk about it as child trafficking, which is maybe offensive to some people, but some kids I know are, I know their parents are left in with people that are molesting them. I mean, I'm sorry to say that I've seen evidence and it is a horror. These people that are doing it, do it over and over again. And I believe that one person, Alyssa Sherry is about to be, you know, there's so many people that have joined together and such, there's just so outrage, you know, Why do you, you know, I've made um, amazing connections with wonderful people through all this. And the thing is, like, I think all of us feel like as long as there's a monster on the street and, you know, everybody wants to say the monster's Alex Jones. I mean, Alex Jones is his own deal, right? But the Mm -hmm. monster is a person that gives Alex Jones a tool, you know, in a, what should be a sheltered environment. So yeah, that's pretty much my story. There's a lot more to it, but that's sort of the the bones of it. And you're the one who got the most of it. I think. I hope it was what you wanted.
0: Loved it. Yeah, <laughs> And glad to uh, be able to share it. Because I mean, you you said I, I think it was during a break, but you said that uh, you know um, everybody wants to get the the dirt on Alex Jones' story and everything, and and it is out there, and we can dig into it a little bit. But I mean, your story is. You know, the important thing, the reason why people care about you is because of Alex Jones, but they need to see that Alex Jones is not only a real guy, but he's a a guy who's, you know, not the hero that he makes himself out to be or the victim that he makes himself out to be. (laughs) A
1: guy who's embracing corrupt actors that he knows are corrupt in a system that he said is evil. By using it against his own children. I mean, what, what could be worse than that? A guy who says he's about the constitution and due process and free speech. Mm-hmm. Alex has filed repeatedly to block my free speech repeatedly. I can't even tell you how many times I'm in federal court right now on a civil liberties plea to the government. Please don't let him this case in state court go forward. My civil liberties have been violated. They've been violated by Alex and the judge and all these people that have done these actions, but they've empowered him to, to do this basically. So Um, Travis County is in a mess and we need some help. And I hope that people will care about my story. I hope they'll care about my friend Dawn's story. You know, Dawn had the same judge, hasn't seen her kid in, I don't know, I think it's over a year, has been in litigation for something like 12 years. I Mm -hmm. hope they'll care about my friend, Rachel. Rachel had the same judge. Her child has been presumably adopted and is a missing person. Rachel has got nothing wrong with her. She was thrown in jail by that judge. I hope they'll listen to these people that, that call me that I can't talk about that are in court now and have to have to come up against the lies of Alyssa Sherry, who presents herself as a UT professor and some esteemed uh, forensic psychologist with her huge, you know, long Santa's list of all of her appointments and things. When she is a monster for hire, you know, I hope that people will care about family court corruption because... It isn't just about me and them and ours and us. It's about y'all and yours mm-hmm. and family court is going to probably touch your, your life in some way. Hopefully, um, you know, not in the way it's touched ours, but there's a lot of serious problems in family court across the country. And particularly I can speak on a personal level in Travis County, Texas.
0: Absolutely. And I don't want to keep you here too long. Cause you've been more than gracious with your time. Um, would you mind recording, uh, just a short maybe 15 20 minute segment for our patrons afterwards sure okay well that would be fantastic and i'd really appreciate it. and i appreciate you uh so much for being here i'm sure all my conspiracy listeners are yelling at me for you know not getting down deep into the the alex jones stuff like everybody else wants to but um once again i i want you to share what you, well, have, you to know, share. Dan, I have
1: to share I appreciate, I'm i sorry. I interrupted you because of the connection. Okay. I'm so sorry. I appreciate the opportunity so much and I will get into the conspiracy thing. I want people to know that I am a pretty conservative lady at heart. I've reached out a lot to the left and I found a lot of great support there because I need help. You know, mm-hmm. I need interest and I, I'm really kind of like a moderate person, but the thing I believe in fundamentally and I, I go back to this thing that I think I learned from Alex is that classical liberal, Uh, perspective you know we are americans with constitutional rights that's the foundation of our country i'm about freedom privacy you know autonomy and all these things were taken by alex jones through family court so just tell me what you want for that 15 minute segment i'll be available (laughs) to you dan to talk about conspiracy whenever you want
0: all right sounds great well thank you so much for being here before uh before we jump into the bonus um go ahead and tell everybody where once again where they can find out all the information about you and your website and everything that you got going on
1: Yes, Dan, thank you so much. My website is custodywars.com. You can find me online at Twitter at AlexJones underscore X. And at um, Kelly Jones on Facebook or at Custody Hero, as much as Facebook is a questionable venue. I will say, if you're a family court victim, that's a great place to connect with other people. There's a huge community of family court victims. If you are questioning anything I've said or want more information about family court injustice, just come follow me and see it in my public page and see who's following my public page and what they're talking about. And please look at how this is a national crisis. Mm
0: -hmm absolutely well Kelly thank you so much for being here and um, if anybody out there has uh, any way that they can pitch in and help Kelly in the situation I would more than recommend it because uh, it's an uphill battle it sounds like and it's a it's a scary one for sure but Kelly thank you so much for your time and uh, you're welcome here whenever you'd like
1: Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it.
0: Hey guys, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, if you're not a member of the Downers Club, then you're missing out. Because uh, that's where we talked about all the crazy conspiracy stuff. I asked her about uh, Alex Jones's products, whether or not his supplements are real, whether or not Alex Jones is controlled opposition, uh, whether or not Alex Jones is racist. And I- I've heard a few other people ask similar questions to those, but I've never, ever heard in any of the interviews somebody ask her about whether or not Alex Jones is in fact Bill Hicks. But... You know me. When I say, let's get weird, I mean, let's get weird. And you gotta know, I had to ask her about the Bill Hicks theory. If you're not familiar with it, it's, it's weird. It's very bizarre. So, we got into all that stuff in the bonus segment. Uh, and you can get access to that by going to tsidpod.com forward slash support and joining the Downers Club. And again, the Downers Club is how we keep this show going. I cannot do this show if some of the financial expenses are not covered, and I mean, we don't make a lot. I don't pocket any of this money. It all goes back into making this show bigger and better and a more enjoyable viewing and listening experience for you guys. So you've got nothing to lose here. you got everything to gain because we do multiple bonus episodes every single week. You get access to our exclusive Facebook group. And uh, at some levels, you get free merch and all sorts of other things. So again, go join the Downers Club at tsidpod.com forward slash support and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Uh, And I would like to give a shout out to our latest member to join the Downers Club, Rachel Roberts. Thank you so much for your support. I greatly appreciate it. And to the rest of you, be like Rachel. And of course, if you'd like to join the conversations for absolutely free, you can go join our forum at tsidpod.com forward slash forum. That's where we talk uh, about all these weird topics, conspiracies, politics, religion, and much, much more. It's a a group of strange civil people who like to have disagreements, discussions, and just talk about all the crazy nonsense in the world. It is a very friendly environment and it all exists deep inside of Facebook, which I know sounds, sounds wrong. Just sounds far-fetched to think that people are talking on Facebook and not shouting at each other, calling names, but it, it they are. It, it's a great, great place to talk about these things. Uh, people who have weird beliefs similar to, or the same, or even different than your own. So go join that, tsidpod.com forward slash forum, and all the links to all of this stuff ...are in the show notes in the show description and all that stuff. Also, this week, while you're scrolling through the interwebs and killing time... ...just take a minute to head over to iTunes and leave us a nice review... ...and uh, let people know what they're going to get in this show. If you like it, let them know. If you don't like it, eh, I I, I guess go ahead and let them know that too. Just, Just be honest, it's fine. But, yeah, do that and do all the stuff that millennials do... ...by liking, sharing, subscribing, all that stuff on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube... And most importantly, as always, please just go out and talk to somebody this week. Our goal here is to change the world by just having conversations with people that we disagree with and talking about uncomfortable topics and not being douchebags. I know it seems like a lot to ask, but try it. It's really, it's it's not that hard. So do that and tell somebody about the show. Um, I love you guys. I really appreciate you supporting the show and just helping get the word out there. Uh, Even just listening for free. Uh, You taking joy in it brings me joy. And I've got a lot of great episodes for you in the works and a lot of big plans for you coming down the pipe. So won't you join me next week as we do this all over again? If you'll have me, I'll be right back here in your ears with some more uncomfortable conversations. Until then, ladies and gentlemen question everything, and stay comfortable. Thanks. This has been a Goulash Media production. Goulashmedia.net This concludes our broadcast day. Click.